Welcome to Travel Transparent. And if this isn't your first episode, welcome back. Today on the show, we I have a, the first of a two-part episode with Sean LeBlanc. Sean currently works as a salesman for Remarkable Beverages in New York City. So, if you like good beer and good travel, Sean really should be your last stop. Or your first stop. Or just a stop in between. In this episode, we'll discuss some of Sean's crazy travels from being robbed in Mexico City to enjoying great beer in Paris, where you would normally think of finding great wine. I'll be honest, uh, truth be told, at this time, at times this episode goes a little away from the experience of travel and is one thing I'm trying to improve upon. For example, we talk about what it's like to live in New York City, but I promise that uh, I plan on working on it, especially as I get my footing in the episodes. Nonetheless, I think you will still enjoy the episode, and it's still worth exploring some of the ideas that Sean and I talked about. Sean and I recorded this episode over some great Levante beer, which some of our listeners may be familiar with. If you aren't, they make a great beer to discuss travel with, and if you're ever in the Westchester, Pennsylvania area, they are definitely worth checking out. The first of two parts will really dive into some of Sean's crazy travel stories, and the second part will explain will expose how craft beer, and if you're of age, of course, heightens the travel experience, it may be something you may want to consider including wherever you may be going. All right, we are live with Sean LeBlanc. Hi. Sean, why don't you, uh, uh, first off, you live in New York City. I live in New York City now, yes. Um, and what's, generally speaking, that like living in the largest city in the country? Is it something that is, and I have another question related to that too, yeah. um, but generally speaking, what do you like about living in the place, the city, in some ways, that defines all other cities. Yeah, I'm, it's a it's a huge change from living in Westchester, Pennsylvania, or media, or even Florida, where I lived, lived before. Um, there's like this dynamic energy about New York City that you don't fully understand until you're in it, until you're part of that energy. And for me, I lived in Westchester for five or six years, I think. And when I, when I moved up to New York city, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Uh, I, I didn't understand the city. I didn't like it. I, I thought it was too busy. I thought everybody was too quick and too rude and, and stuff like that. Um, but then about six months in when I got a job, I, I had some friends to rely on. I had my wife to rely on as well and her friends. And then like the city kind of just opens up when you know a few people and you get a few more out of the box, out of your mind experiences where you just kind of have other people have like, Hey, come along to this. Yeah. All right. Sure. Like I'll do that. Why not? And so you go and like, 
you have the time of your life or, you know, you meet some celebrity or something like that. And have you it, met a celebrity? Uh, yeah. Not been, that. Uh, yesterday I, I saw Ben Foster on the okay. street. Yeah. Cool. He cool. was, he was texting on his phone. I was like, oh shit, Ben. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I had some really awkward encounters like, uh, Adam Zimmern, the celebrity chef from Bizarre oh, yeah. Foods. I was out to dinner with a buddy of mine and uh, we, we walked into this place. It's like a, a Vietnamese inspired restaurant. We walked in and Adam Zimmern is filming a show there. It's like his new oh, show wow. for like Travel Channel or Food Network, whatever it is. And I'm like, oh my God, like a star <laughs> It's Adam Zimmern, like somebody who I've like, you know, I've seen his shows all through years and years, uh, Bizarre yeah. Foods. And I, he finally was like, behind me uh talking to his like production uh production assistant whoever it was and i turned around in my stool and i like i was like hey hey adam oh <laughs> hey, wow Andrew. so super and awkward he was like hey hey what's your name i was like oh cool sean and he was like essentially giving me like oh hello sean like patting me on the head like oh good job good <laughs> like, job you hey, said hi you're great <laughs> <laughs> but it was like super awkward and uh but very cool to see him but yeah uh, new york city has opened doors and more than i can ever imagine yeah. and now two and a half years later i like i couldn't imagine living anywhere else. not living there gotcha to have those experiences under my belt so the the follow-up question with that is since this is a travel podcast have you found that You've lived in Florida, lived in, so just background for listeners to Westchester is a, I don't know, medium-sized town, college town in some ways, but yeah. like, have you found that living there has detached you from things and therefore, like, if I have disposable money, I'm going to go spend it and go somewhere else because I can't spend money on stuff because I, I don't have the space. Yeah. Yeah. And... I, you definitely hit a, like a central a huge thing with New Yorkers that they when they have money they, and they're so close to two airports yeah uh, or three three, airports, three yeah, yeah that they just you know nobody can handle too much stuff because nobody has that room right and so everybody wants to go somewhere and like to find a, a flight for under $200 is a bargain and people would do it and like people would just spend the weekend in Ireland or or like Central America or the West Coast or, you know, something like that uh, where uh, compared to living in Westchester, if I had disposable income, I would buy like a new golf club or a new uh -huh. like, you know, right. uh, I would definitely spend it on experiences sometimes, you know, a lot of the times I would want like, you know, some sort of physical attribute to, you know. There's other things that could compete for your finances because you have in some ways other ways to provide for them exactly yeah um but in new york you know everybody makes a not everybody but you know the cost of living is is higher so everybody in turn makes more money and not that i'm more well off there than i was here it's kind yeah. of like an equal trade right but i'm spending my money differently than i would when i lived down here because I, I don't you. have gas to worry about i don't yep. have like the day-to-day other things that everybody does in a town that you drive in all the time that you um, have to, you know, I don't know, have to, I don't know. Like yeah. it's different. Living is different. And I guess driving is the main, the main one. Okay. That one. Um, yeah. Gas is expensive, but yeah. In turn, we, we do the same thing, spending money on Ubers or subways or right. taxis. Or right. Whatever. So it's spent different ways in yeah. some ways. Yeah. Money spent differently. Um, all right, so let's let's get into the travel a little bit. Uh, you know, I, as I was saying, what are you 
you know, before we started, I was telling you about like, hey, I was looking at just your Instagram feed just to catch up and there was no rhyme or reason to your travel itinerary. So kind of going off our question with New York, do you just go places that have a cheap, you know, it's a cheap plane ticket? Like, like, what is your, like, what is your, you know, what do you look for? What do you guys, you know, if you're traveling with your wife, what do you just, what are some criteria you look for before you just pull the trigger? Um, I was just talking to my wife, Maria, about like getting out of the city this next coming weekend, uh, the weekend after Valentine's Day. President's Day. President's Day weekend, yeah. Because it's like, hey, she has a three-day weekend. Like, why not? Let's let's try to find a cheap flight to fly somewhere. Yeah. As opposed to, like, driving out of the city or something like that. And um, we tried to look at cheap flights, and there was nothing really that... Puerto uh, Rico right now. Super yeah, cheap. Yeah. I'm serious. <laughs> on the weekend? On the weekend? I like, don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's I tough. Guess, yeah, we, so she found, like, some other flights that were, like, to Denver or something. But it was during the week, and can't really do that so we decided to do something else but i don't know our plan of attack when we're ever we're trying to go somewhere or when we're thinking about um our next vacation is basically like who do we know that's there cool what is there that we're interested in um it might not be you know it'll it might be just like she just designs jewelry so it might be something in that fashion I sell beer, so it might be something with related to beer. It might be a cultural, historical thing, um, or it might be close to you know a relative or yeah. somewhere where it's like, hey, we can find a cheap place to stay. Um, I was going to say, just come in a little bit closer to. Oh, yeah, okay. sorry, no worries. Um, so, in that respect, I think that when we look at a place that we want to go, there's a lot of factors that we kind of talk about and and kind of justify and the pros and cons of it but it's all a matter of like do we think it'll be a fun time do we think it'll be a like a a great time for us to have and to see something that we might not ever see you know again or might it might it might change like the next time that we would think about going there uh, cuba was an example of that like we went down there because it was a super cheap flight it was you know the the embargo was lifted and it was uh, something that I've never seen before. Marie's never seen before, and it was like challenged us as as travelers. Yeah. And if you if we go back there in five years, it's not going to be the same. No, I mean even now you you're hearing reports that hey that embargoes not embargo but obviously relationships in some ways have soured even since then. Yeah. You know? And uh, maybe not the Cuban people per se, but definitely between governments. Yeah. Between governments for sure. And, and when we were down there, we had a great time. Uh, it was a challenging time, but we had uh, eventually ended up having a great time with the Cubans that we met down there. And we never felt unsafe. We never felt taken advantage of. We just felt that we <laughs> or didn't do our homework and as far as like catching up on spanish first of all like, yeah uh you know, you know she how does, is your spanish it's terrible terrible but, uh, <laughs> yeah but i mean going down there it was i i tried to speak you know i tried to teach myself like to you know to relearn language a little yep. bit and it came in handy a little bit down there but it was tough it was a tough go at it um what it was, made it, it was, was it just the uh are we yeah, I don't mind tangents. This is pretty cool. We'll come back to it. So let's get let's get into Cuba a little bit, because um, I feel I feel like this is one unique place that people want to learn about. You know, mm-hmm. and I actually had a friend. 
uh, he he'll be he was on episode three. If you want to go back and check that out, yeah. But they were trying to start a tour group with Cuba, but it was because oh, he has a travel company and um, they had a hard time. Uh, the Department of Treasury actually put all these restrictions on because a business that operates like takes people to Cuba, like it has to benefit the Cuban people essentially. Like mm-hmm. otherwise, you still can't trade with them. It's really like. At least according to him. So I kind of went into it there. But uh, uh, what – so obviously the the stereotypical Cuban trip is, you know, 57 Chevys and, (laughs) um, you know, yeah, like healthcare might be really good, but there's a lot of black market stuff. And, um, you know, so that might – and do some sort of bribes or like what made first off, uh, I guess the, the question is what made Cuba challenging to you guys like specifically? And then secondly, did it live up to the stereotypes? Um, first part of the question, it was definitely challenging. There was, uh, for a few reasons. One was the language for sure. Yeah. Uh, two was the currency. And then three was the size of Cuba, of Havana. Um, So first, like, when, you know, when we got down there, I know a little bit of Spanish. My wife does not. Uh, (laughs) She's a lovely, lovely girl, but um, she does not know Spanish. (laughs) No habla en español. (laughs) No habla en español. That is for sure. And so when we got down there... um, uh, the you know you're surrounded by Spanish speaking sure. people sure. and you know you're just kind of in this world like you you're in this world now. There's very limited English opportunities, right? So when you're in there, you kind of have to rely on you know high school or college Spanish kicking back in, or yep. maybe somebody next to you is from Canada or Sweden or uh, Denmark or something where they know a little bit of Spanish but also English and they can help you out um, and the whole, the whole, we were there for five days, I, I, if I remember correctly. So you weren't even there that long. Not that long, yeah. But five days was plenty to like to know how much, how illiterate I was yep, down yep, there. Yeah. And to realize, like, I'm, you know, for the most part, looking at things, not knowing what they are, kind of talking to people in broken Spanish and feeling like inadequate because of yeah. it. Um, and maybe not getting like the best deals on like taxi rides or something like that because they obviously know that I'm not from there. Yeah, you know that uh, maybe even I'm an American uh, because after the first day when you so any backstory. So when you're walking around Havana, especially um, probably anywhere in Cuba, we only stayed in the major city. You get a lot of people coming up to you and and say bumping into you like, hey, how are you? Like, uh, where are you from? Like the first thing out of the mouth is basically where are you from. And the first day, even the first maybe half of the day, we would say, like, you know, America. Oh, where in America? Oh, you're so interesting. Yeah. So New York City. Oh, my God. New York City so big, so rich. <laughs> and then, you know, eventually the conversation with them would come to them either asking us for money or a ride. Or if they wanted, we wanted a ride or advice or something, which, uh, again, would mean us giving them money. Right. So even, but, like, you know, very early on, I just realized, like, I talked to my wife, Maria, and I was like, hey, we're from Toronto now. <laughs> like, we're not going to go through this every single time with people So, because Canadians were able to travel to Cuba all the time. Right, right, sure. So whenever somebody would come up, 
to ask us what we were doing, where we were from and stuff like that. We would just say, oh, you know, we're not industry. We're from Toronto. Uh, and they, they would immediately like, oh, okay. You know, have fun. Like leave us alone. Interesting. Super, super weird. Uh, and yeah. like, it was just because they're so used to Canadians and they want the American, the new American dollar. Right. Well, so uh, it's so super fascinating on that story. I gave uh, a long time ago, I gave, um, this article for, to my class about, when I was teaching economics about, you know, the black market in Cuba, because we were, we were talking about command economies at the time, and, and it was just more or less going like, yeah, the, you had American currency, it was worth more than, you know, basic, like just stuff, mm-hmm. even. It was like just the fact that you had the currency was, was a super big deal. So. Yeah. And did you, did you know that there's two currencies in Cuba? I no, so go on. So tell, there, tell us about that. There's two types of currencies in Cuba. There's a local currency and a international currency. So when people from Canada or the United States <laughs> from go Toronto, down, yeah, from Toronto or the United <laughs> States go down there, you wait in line. You, you so first the first thing you do when you get to Canada, uh, Cuba, because you can't exchange money at any bank in the United States, is you have to do it down there, and they know that. So you wait there at the airport. There's two lines that kind of go around, and you you wait neither one. Either one's going to be forever long. It was like it took us three hours, and to wait in line to get your money. And when you get your money, there's a ten percent charge on United States currency. Um, so that means like if I was to give you know, obviously hundred dollars, hundred dollars, ten percent of that, I would get ninety dollars Cuban back, and that Cuban dollar is worth one to one. Okay. Cuban to American dollar. So if you're going out and spending $14 on a, you know, whatever meal it is, prawns or whatever it may be, you're spending 14 American dollars to do that as well. But they can convert the, those that uh, travel currency into their local currency, which is worth exponentially more to them. Because in local currency, like you can get a whole meal for like a dollar. Local, local currency, yeah, and like only a handful of times, I was able to like get a ham and cheese sandwich for thirty cents, or you know, a beer for like ninety cents, or something like that. You know, so it didn't happen often. And if you're giving these people fifteen or twenty bucks in that in our travel currency, you're giving them uh, like a week's worth of yeah of income, and. That was the one thing that we learned like harshly right off the bat. Like we got taken advantage of, right? And there's nothing you can do about it. No, no, we that's even, part of the that's part of the journey. Yeah, we even went so far as to, like I went to a TD Bank in New York City, exchanged my money for Canadian dollars because they don't have that ten percent tax on Canadian dollars. Went down to Cuba with all these Canadian dollars, exchanged it for Cuban, and they still charged me that ten percent tax because of my passport. Uh, it was an American passport, so uh, I couldn't get around it. Um, it was, I was, yeah, it was kind of a bummer. Um, but we, you know, it, you know, in the long run, we're there for a one-time experience. Yeah. And would you go back? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I would, I would do things differently if I went, if we would go back, but uh, I would yeah. definitely go back. Well, that's, you know, you learned the first time. Yeah. So then the, the second question, did it live up to the stereotypes of 57 Chevys, kind of this cool classic, I don't know. I don't know if suave is the best word, but did it live up to like what you thought it would be? Absolutely. Uh, okay. When we were down there, 
I, I didn't think you would, you, you know, you look at all these old classic cars and you're like, people don't really drive those around, but everybody does. Like there is not a new car to be found down there. So wow. like, you're only looking at cars from like the forties, fifties and sixties down there before the embargo hit. And then like, all they do is refurbish inside parts and keep the outside shell. And like, so you can have like a, a 57 Chevy or, you know, whatever it may be. But the parts are inside are from boats, they're from lawnmowers, they're from what? other cars, they're from European cars, which are a lot, uh, there's a, a decent amount of European cars there. There's like this huge like mishmash uh, con concoction of what a car could be down there. There's no original car down there, it's just like <laughs> you have the outside shell. Um, and some of them are beautiful, some of them are rust buckets. Um, yeah. We got the dynamic of both, like, <laughs> you know, I think we were in this... Coming back from dinner one night, we got picked up in like this like 1939 Ford or something like that, which was a rust bucket. It was such a bad car, but it was so cool. It was like being on an old wooden roller coaster. And then like on a, on a ride previous to that, we went into like, we had a ride from this convertible, a really, really nice convertible, um, old whatever it was, Chevrolet or something. And just, it was super plush, super nice. Uh, really, really pleasant ride to be in and, and everything like that. So you definitely get a, a dynamic, but the stereotypes are true. Um, there is all old cars down there. Not a whole lot of people wear like Cuban wear, like, you know, those yeah. linens and stuff. The Nobody, fedoras yeah. and all that. Nobody yeah. really does that. Uh, if you do wear that, you're obviously a tourist. But uh, when you're down there, you you just kind of get, you're in their, you're in their backyard. They're in their right? country. In their territory, yeah, so. that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty fun. That sounds, um, that's interesting. It, it was uh, wild. I mean, it's not like anything in the United States that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, and definitely not like Miami, for sure. Yeah, not like Miami, not by any means, no way. Yeah. <laughs> like, Miami's so full of people who are just full of themselves, and it's all about money down there, and, and like, how... How where where in Florida did you live? I forgot. Uh, Vero Beach. Vero. So okay. that's like yeah, that's I know like where it three is. hours north of Miami, but um, I've heard it called Zero Beach. Yeah, <laughs> it has been known to be called that. It's it's a lot cooler now. Yeah. Um, so where else have you been? You know, besides Cuba, that's you. Like I said, there there seems to be no rhyme or reason. So yeah, maybe give some of the listeners like your recent travels. I know you got a list. I have a list uh, that I wrote, and um, I was kind of actually surprised by how long yeah. it was. Because so you asked me, uh, looking back three years, how where I've where have I sure. been and what have I done, and I looked back uh, to three years, and it was like, oh man, I've kind of been a lot, uh, a little bit of everywhere. Was there anywhere you forgot? Uh, yeah, I mean, you like, know, the simple, I forgot like, I went there. weekend yeah, trips and sure, stuff, like, sure. D.C. and stuff like that, uh, you kind of forget Do they count? That. Yeah, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, it's always <laughs> fun. You're always doing interesting things, um, but... So what sticks out, then, maybe, the last three years, like, when you were compiling this list? What? Yeah, last three years, definitely, like, Portland and Bend, Oregon, yep. which led to us going to Hawaii as well. I didn't realize you went to amazing. Kauai? Or... Yeah, we went to the Big okay. Island and cool. Kauai. Cool. And uh, then we went to Martha's Vineyard for my brother's 30th birthday, which is a very unexpected 30th birthday because it's Martha's Vineyard. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but we had a great time over there, and it was uh, 
It was like going to Cape Cod. Yeah, you know, sure. I've been there, um, but just on an island. Um, before my wife and I were married, we took a trip um, because of a concert I really wanted to see. Some of my favorite brand, bands, like Brand New, Manchester Orchestra, and Thrice, were playing this show. You... Jimmy Eat World was there, too. Jimmy Eat World, wow. They were playing Book this show bands. in Tempe, Arizona. Okay. And I was like, oh my gosh, we have to go to the show. This is like a dream lineup for me. Yeah. And so we fly into Vegas, and then we take a two-week road trip around Utah. Four Corners. Uh, yeah. We did go to the Four Corners. Uh, we ended up driving past it at like 2, 2 a.m. or something like that. Um, I have a couple show like points on, on that trip specifically. A yeah. Later, so. It was but amazing. Yeah, keep going on. Um, so many national parks uh, in Utah and uh, northern Arizona and stuff. And yeah. It was unbelievable. Mount Zion, or, uh, Zion National Park being the... That was the highlight? Oh, my gosh. It was, it was the best. And oh. um, we were there for a really like interesting time. Because uh, they had this huge flash flood, this thunderstorm that led to a flash flood where 18 people died. Oh, wow. Um, some in the park and some outside the park. And it was the deadliest um, flash flood in Utah history. And we were there for it. Um, we oh, didn't wow. die. But no. uh, some people did. Uh, and did you get three, stranded? Uh, we didn't get stranded. We were actually, we were hiking beforehand. And then we were just about to come in for the day. And right before the entrance of the park is uh, Zion, or like what's it called Zion Brewery or whatever it is. So we went there for a beer, and then we saw these clouds come, and like it was the craziest thing because the sky was blue, but behind the mountains, and then you see like this black cloud coming in, and then all of a sudden like a a switch went on, and it was a shower of rain, and we got pummeled with rain, and so everybody. It was a nice day. Like we were all drinking on the porch, and everybody ran inside, and we were inside for about forty-five minutes, maybe. And then the weather passed, and we were able to run to the car and, and kind of get out of there. But you see, like the Virgin River cuts through Zion, and like you saw it from something that wasn't very intimidating um, to this huge gushing, like Yahoo or YooHoo, like colored-looking river and wow. like it yeah. caused like utter destruction everywhere and we didn't realize the amount of or the uh, you know the amount of violence that it would uh incur so it was a really scary thing um but i'm besides that being the negative portion of for a lot of other people we didn't you know we you you guys yourself were okay but we you, were okay yeah you saw the we when people say flash flood warning, yeah. you saw the hey, this is serious. It's like a real deal. Like, you know, you don't mess with flash floods. Like, yeah. I thought it was kind of a joke. Like, if you're going to see a flood happening, but no, you don't. You're like, you, it just, all of a sudden, it just happens in like, it could be ankle, uh, ankle deep water. And then all of a sudden, you're over your head and there's stones and sticks and trees and <sighs> boulders and cars in this, in this flash flood. And you can't do anything about yeah. it. Yeah. So it was, it was gnarly. Yeah, um, it was gnarly. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, besides that, it was one of the most beautiful places I think I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Um, you did Banff? Banff was right up there too. <laughs> uh, I have to say, I have to be partial to Banff because we got married, married there. Yeah. So it was the most beautiful spot I've ever been. But, Good answer. Uh, that, yeah. <laughs> I love you, Maria. <laughs> and, uh, but when we were out there, honestly, um, I, you know, you look at pictures online and I don't know if there's a lot of Redditors out there or anything, but like, you know, 
Lake Louise and Moraine Lake and Emerald Lake are always on uh, Reddit and stuff. And you see these lakes and you're like, that has to be a Photoshop. That has to be fake. But you see it in real life. You're like, I don't know how this is happening, but it is the most like turquoise and, and vibrant yeah. colored lake you'll ever see in your life. What was the one like, um, Peyte? Pito. Pito. Yeah. That one, uh, whenever someone's met, comes up with a band, yeah. I, I immediately take them to that picture you put up. Yeah. And I'm like, we need, hey, <laughs> this is, I don't know if this is real, but this is oh like, it was so funny because at the time we had, um, we had a really good wedding. We were in a really beautiful spot for a wedding and I'm like, wow, there's nothing that could beat this. And then, you and Maria got married, and it was. Uh, I just thought, wow, I thought wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> so we just dropped the. So we're just oh, gonna no. pause this. <laughs> that glass and expletive you just heard was the sound of me knocking over the en la orda I had just poured Sean. We had to pause the recording and clean up, however, it gave us a great pause point and an opportunity for me to refocus the conversation. I hope you'll join us next time as we'll dive into travel and craft beer, uh, which are some of my favorite things. This is your host, Dave Giuliano, signing off. I'll see you next time on Travel Transparent.